Coffee, A Connoisseur's Companion by Claudia Rodin. Introduction. I have loved coffee ever since, as young children in Cairo, we waited outside my parents' bedroom door for signs of their awakening. When the shadows on the frosted glass began to move, a signal and an invitation to come in, we pounce and race for the coveted places in the large double bed where we waited for the coffee ritual to start. Maria, our Yugoslav nanny and housekeeper, brought in a large brass tray ornately engraved in praise of Allah, on which we were placed five small cups in delicate bone china with gold arabesques near the rim. A glass of water held a piece of ice chipped from the block in the ice box and was scented with a drop of orange flower water. A small plate carried a pile of oriental petites four, petites four, <laughs> filled with dates, pistachios, or ground almonds. I'm pretty sure I said that wrong. My father poured out the coffee from two small copper kanakas, or ibriks as they are called in Turkish, with much ceremony, carefully shaking his hand so as to drop a little of the much-prized froth in each cup. We passed the water round, then drank the syrupy black brew in little sips and with much reverence. In Egypt, no one thought children should not drink coffee. It was usually assumed that we would like it sweet, and it was made accordingly and served with homemade preserves and jams. When we had finished, we turned over the tiny cups for at least one member of the company was reputed to be good at fortune-telling. Everything could be read in the grounds. Travels, unexpected bequests, weddings. My school days in France, as well as my more recent travels throughout Italy and many other countries to research their foods, have enabled me to enjoy coffee in different forms around the world. In the 17 years since the first edition of this book was published, a great deal has happened in the world of coffee, though not quite so much in the tra traditional coffee-drinking countries of Europe and the Middle East where each country has continued with its own traditional ways. The greatest changes have been in Japan, a tea-drinking country which has adopted coffee in a very big way, and in America, where something of a coffee revolution has taken place. There have been changes in the coffee trade, in the different producing countries, and also in consumer trends. While the consumption of commercial coffees has gone down, the consumption of quality coffees has increased spectacularly. The interest in real premium quality coffees, referred to as specialty coffees, and in America also as gourmet, fancy, and whole bean coffees, has been phenomenal. What has happened in America is something to marvel at. In a country where once coffee was drunk at all times of the day, including before and during lunch, but where it was impossible ever to get a drinkable cup, you now get exquisite coffee. In the States, there is a passionate dedication to quality and an evangelical zeal in the ever-expanding specialty trade. Among consumers, there is also an extraordinary awareness of the culture of coffee from interest in the country of origin and knowledge of production methods and the lives of plantation workers to appreciation of the roaster's art and familiarity with the taste of different beans. The coffee revolution has followed the food revolution. Both are seen as a Europeanization of American habits 
based on a sensual perception of taste. The interest is limited to a minority, but it is a young and ever-growing minority. America has fallen in love with coffee. It has its purists and fundamentalists, evangelists and proselytizers. In most cities, and in some cases in every neighborhood, there are specialty coffee stores and coffee houses offering excellent coffee. There are coffee festivals and seminars, courses on roasting, grinding, and brewing, coffee tastings, tour to coffee plantations, and magazines devoted to coffee. The affair with coffee is following various trends, some of them controversial and the subject of passionate debate. Mo most importantly, it takes the form of espresso mania. In Seattle, that's where I live, <laughs> the new coffee capital at the forefront of the trend, there is the extraordinary phenomenon of movable espresso carts on street corners, in shopping malls, bookshops, and seemingly everywhere. One ever-growing trend decried by purists is for flavored coffees and the merits and health risks of the processes involved in making decaffeinated coffees are also a subject of controversy. In Britain, there has been an improvement in the coffee served in public places, and the specialist coffee trade is finding it a growing clientele, but it is small in comparison to America. Over the world, and especially in America, the gourmet sector is the growth area with an ever greater number of consumers. The best coffees are in demand. Even commercial brand roasters have upgraded their coffees. In response to demand and appreciation, the producers of top quality coffees have maintained their quality and identity and their high standards while the general, medium-quality coffees have deteriorated because they have become less profitable and the incentive is not there to keep up the standard. This book is basically the same in structure as when it first came out. I have expanded on new developments and have gone into more depth in areas where interest has grown. I have also added my voice to the debates and controversies. It is basically for coffee lovers, for beginners as well as for connoisseurs. It is about how to make perfect coffee and about the infinite possibilities to be explored. I have included early legends of exotic beginnings and brief moments of social history, as well as aspects of the coffee trade and its cultivation, including the coffee tree and methods of production. The lore of coffee is as fascinating as the lore of wine, and it is as important to know for a fuller appreciation of the drink. Few beverages are as intoxicating, heartwarming, and utterly pleasurable as really good coffee. Flavor, body, color, stimulation, and above all aroma play their part in making it so. It is not surprising that it is firmly established as one of the essential pleasures of our life today. That concludes the introduction for this book. Please join me next time to begin the next segment about the history of coffee. Thank you.